You're listening to the City Church Tallahassee podcast. For more information about City Church, please visit us online at citychurchtallahassee.com. That was awesome. Merry Christmas Eve. Uh, my name is Dean, the pastor here at City Church. Thanks for gathering with us tonight as we come together to celebrate God's love for us as understood in the Christmas story. I want to read you Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, where this is what the angel says, she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus, which actually means this important truth. Why name him Jesus? Because he will save his people from their sins. That's why we gather tonight. That's why we call it a Merry Christmas, because that is reality and that is true, that he will come to this earth to eventually grow up, live a life that we could never live, die a death that we deserve to die because of our sin against God, rise from the grave three days later, and one day we'll come back again and make all things new. The gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. Let's pray together, and then we'll jump in. Our Father, we are thankful for Christmas. We're thankful for everything that it symbolizes and that it means that Jesus Christ came to this earth to die for sinners, to welcome us into your family, to bring people back to you, to help us understand what it means to be loved by our creator. I ask that we will respond to that good news by offering our lives to you, the one who loved us first. In a time where there's so much darkness and brokenness around us often, Lord, I ask that the light of Christmas can shine through tonight. So despite what's going on around us, if it's great days, bad days, unthinkable days, amazing days, somewhere in between, that everyone in this room will know that you have kept your promises, and Christmas is the story of that reality. We ask with all the churches across the country tonight that are meeting right now, let your love be made known through this Christmas season. Please keep the enemy out of this place, out of our city. Help us to believe Christmas, not just celebrate it. In the name of Jesus, amen. So for the past 30 days, some of y'all celebrate Christmas for like 60 days, but let's say in that range, past month and a half or so, we've done a lot of pretending, haven't we? Some of you pretended like you sing songs like Walking in a Winter Wonderland, and until two days ago, you were wearing shorts to Dorothy B. Oven Park, right? We pretend a little bit. Dashing through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh. Who did that? Anybody do that this year? Anybody? But we sing it. We're from Florida. Somebody raise their hand. No, you didn't. Somebody raise We just kind of pretend things, right? Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I've never done that in my life. When that song comes on, I crank it up. How many of you took family Christmas pictures in front of a barn? It's like you live in Summerbrook. You own a golf cart and don't play golf. Like we're not buying the rustic thing. But here's the truth. If there's one thing you don't have to pretend, you never have to pretend that God loves you. And the Christmas story is the evidence of that amazing truth that God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So whoever believes in him, we're told, will not perish, but have eternal life. Christmas is really the kickoff in the New Testament to the reality of God's love proving true to us all. It's not a new idea. The Old Testament prophets pointed to it and predicted it. We read Old Testament verses here tonight, all pointing us forward to one day when the one would come who would set us free from our sins, and his name is Jesus. So tonight we're going to talk about the love of God, because the Christmas story is about that truth. 
It's exhaustive. I could go on forever. So we're only going to read a few verses because the whole Bible tells the story of God's love. Christmas is not an isolated event. All the Bible flows together as one continuous story pointing us to God's plan to redeem a people to himself. And all those who believe in the name of Christ, we are counted in those people because God the Son came here to earth. Romans chapter 5. And I hope these next couple verses can just be a deep breath for some of us. For while we were still helpless at the right time, as in in God's perfect plan and sovereignty, Christ died for the ungodly. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say for a while we were getting our acts together, while we were trying harder, while we were being more moral, more religious, holding traditions more frequently, that, that, that's when God decided that he was going to die for us. No, it says while we were still helpless, not after we got it all figured out. It says in verse 7, it gets real practical for an example to help us understand in verse 7, he says, For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. He's saying, okay, you could probably count on one hand, depending on how big your family is, how many people you would actually die for. Let alone die for somebody who is not a part of your family. Very short list, I'm guessing. So he's going, yeah, come on, you wouldn't even really die for that many righteous people. He says, but oh, is God different than us? But God proves, not just says, not just feels, proves his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, to understand the manger, you have to understand the cross. Because they're linked together because the reason the baby came was to then live a life that we could never live on our own, which is perfection, None of us could hold to that. Jesus did. Died a death that we deserved. And by we deserve, we've sinned against God. We've rebelled against him. The best way you can make sure that you don't get Christmas is to think you're fine on your own. To think you're fine. And our problem is that, and I might say we, we, like me included here, our problem is we think our sins are just kind of a mistake, like not a big deal, like God knows our hearts, he thinks we're sincere, he's going to pass on the head and say do better sometime. If those things are true, then Christmas is unnecessary and we're wasting our time here. Why we celebrate Christmas is God saw a needy people and needed redemption and he met that need in Jesus. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves us. He can't let sin go unpunished. He wouldn't be a holy God if that was true. And rather than punishing us as our sins deserve, Jesus was punished instead to understand the manger, yet to understand the cross. 1 John 4, verse 10, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible. He says, love consists in this. As in God's about to define love for us. That it's not vague, it's not generic. He says it consists in this, not that we loved God, and that's great because I'm not very good at that. I'm not an expert at loving God. I'm a work in progress, just like probably all of you are. But it's not that I loved him, it's that he loved me. That he loved us, and how did he love us? He sent his son, manger in Bethlehem, who would grow up to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that worth celebrating? See, Christmas is an invitation it's an invitation of God saying, here is my love available to you. Will you respond to it? But we reject God's love in different kind of ways. We go, no, I'm fine on my own, or I'm going to do enough good deeds to cancel out my bad deeds. 
That's like thinking your Diet Coke cancels out your large French fry at Whataburger. It just doesn't make very much sense. Because it doesn't erase the fact that we still owe God for our sin. But thankfully, we don't have to make the payment because Jesus paid it instead. So how can we be indifferent to that? How can we just shrug our shoulders to that? I want to believe Christmas enough or now I say, Jesus, here's my life. Jesus, here's my life. Like, I don't have every question answered, and I have some. There aren't moments, I, I, don't, I never go, you know, consistently with ever some kind of doubt or, or some kind of wondering. You know what I do know, and I am certain about? That God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And that Christmas, again, is the kickoff to that plan fully being realized and going into place as in promise before the beginning of what we can even fathom of time, that God would redeem his people to himself, reconcile them, forgive them of their sins, all because he loves them. And he's the only one who can provide our greatest need, which is forgiveness and redemption. So I want to put this on the screen because I just hope you can just kind of chew on it for a minute. The gospel is not God loves us, even though it's definitely part of it. But God loves us at the cost of his son. Not just loves us like, hey, buddy, love you. Be safe, love you. Have a good trip. Safe flight, love you. Whenever someone tells you have a safe flight, I'm like, I'm not the pilot, but I'll tell them that you said so. Love you. No, it's I love you, and here's how much I love you. Here's my son in your place. And then Easter happens, which is just basically God letting us know that Christmas worked. Where Jesus came, he rose again after being dead for three days, conquering sin and death once and for all, so now us in our death can know that it's just a temporary thing. That heaven is a real place where real people go, and it's not because we were good or tried hard, it's because Jesus was perfect and stood in our place. And then he rose and went to heaven to prepare a place for us, and we're told that one day he'll return again. And if every other promise of the Bible has been met so far, which it has, there's one left, and that is, going to re- that is that he's going to return again. So why wouldn't we believe that when all the rest of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ? And when he comes back again, you know what he tells us? He's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There'll be no sickness, no death, no pain, no division. All will be made as it was originally created to be, perfect fellowship and relationship with God. Don't you want to get in on that? Believe Christmas. Believe in the Son who came to this earth to die for you because God loves us. I'm going to read this verse to you one last time, then I'll pray. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you're to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. As in the original announcement of who Jesus was going to be and who Mary was pregnant with was in the context of salvation. So out of the gate he's going, Joseph, you want to understand Christmas? He's coming to die for our sins. Mary, you want to understand why you're pregnant and why? That baby's going to come and die for our sins. We understand the manger because we understand the cross. Now as people who know there's a resurrection Let's believe this together. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. I tell our church regularly that my uh, senior year, my math class was called math. Uh, so 
but I'm going to go with the guy who was dead and came back to life three days later any day of the week. And I hope you will too. Merry Christmas. It is certainly good news. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for your love. That Christmas really is a love story of your love for your own name and glory and your love for your people. So I thank you for all those in this room that have called the name of Christ by your grace that you have counted us as your people. And I thank you that your invitation is big and wide for all who will come to faith, for all who will believe. There's not a person in this room who is too far away from your love and your grace. I'm thankful that you don't punish us as our sins deserve. I'm thankful that it wasn't after we got right and after we figured things out that you died for us, but it was while we were sinners that any hopelessness we've ever had, the hope is met in you. So as we celebrate Christmas, some may be different than they have in past years. Maybe some walking back into a church for the first time in a long time and they're not even sure how they feel. Lord, I ask they can see your love for them. And what a cost that it cost your son. And as a result, they'll turn from this world and turn to you and receive your invitation to be a part of your family. We're thankful that you adopt us as your sons and daughters in Christ, that you forgive our sins, that you make us new, that you give us a clean slate, and that you're with us till the very end. We're thankful our salvation's in your hands, not ours. Let us respond to that by saying, Lord, here is our lives. We thank you for Christmas. Thank you for our church, all you're doing here. And we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen.